Welcome to the Saturate Podcast. My name is Brad Watson, and we're continuing our series on how to start a missional community. We've been taking our listeners through the steps of becoming a missional community. It's one of the most common questions we get asked. And we're basically following along the missional community checklist, which you can find online for free at saturatetheworld.com. Here's the thing. We believe that our cities need both physical representations of Jesus through the body of Christ and gathered communities being equipped and sent on mission. And one of our deep beliefs is that we believe that missional communities are one of the best ways to send people on mission in the everyday stuff of life. And today, this episode, step three, is about choosing a common mission. The mission of making disciples, making Jesus known, Participating in the making of all things new is what the church exists to be. Or as Christopher Wright says well in his book, Mission of God, he says it's not so much that the church has a mission, but that the mission has a church. That's huge. What he's saying is, is that the church exists for mission. Not that mission is part of the life of the church, but it's actually what the church was created to benefit to participate in the whole thing, meaning every Christian is called, empowered, and sent into the world, into their work, their school, their homes as missionaries. So we believe that discipleship traction happens when a group of people, a group of Christians, actually pick a part of that massive mission to pursue as a group. Uh, We also believe that unless mission is intentional, and it's from the very beginning, it's hard to move towards that. Basically, Christians are typically good at pursuing their love for God, or at least signing up for that, you know, teach me how to pray, teach me how to grow towards God. And we're even pretty good at caring for one another, at least in concept, like, yeah, we should be, you know, giving each other meals and food and caring for one another. But the one thing we don't do well is mission. And one of the main things that we try to opt out of is mission, which is pretty ironic considering what I just said, that the church exists for the mission. But it's the one thing, and I even would go as far to say it's what the enemy has persuaded us as Christians to believe, is that mission is something that only happens once you get really good in your spiritual formation, and only something that happens when you're really good at caring for one another. And then and only then can you participate in God's mission. But here's the deal. The mission is actually one of God's fundamental ways of pursuing you and me. As you're looking to start a missional community, One of the fundamental steps is asking yourself, what part of this grand mission will our community take responsibility for together? We call this a common mission, a proactive mission, a shared mission, all of those things. But the the big question is, hey, there's this huge mission in our city, our town, our neighborhood that God's pursuing people. And every Christian, everywhere they go, is called to be participants of that mission. What part will our community own together? How will we call every disciple to the mission of God in our place? How will we equip this community, this group of people, to live out that mission? And so with all that said, I want to share this conversation that I had with Jared Pickney about what a common mission is and how to choose one and why. Very fundamental part of what it means to be a new community. Hope you enjoy this chat that I had with Jared. I think it's really helpful. This is the Saturate Podcast. 
Saturate is committed to seeing a gospel movement happen in North America and beyond in which every man, woman, and child have a daily encounter with Jesus in word and deed. This podcast is an ongoing conversation with disciples and leaders growing in the gospel and growing in living the implications of the gospel in community and on mission. How do communities, how do leaders choose the right mission uh, for their communities? And this comes up all the time, every part of the world, uh, small towns, big cities, all over the place. They're all uh, and often struggle with this. Um, so for you, Jared, what have you found works best You know, in, in getting into the right mission? Where do you start? Yeah, well... Um, we should always start with why, right? So I read a book that said, start with why. And so, um, I think it is important to, to start with, with why we should choose a common mission. And Mm -hmm. so just a few things I would, would throw out there that I think is important to keep in front of our, our folks. Cause you are going to ask, you know, if you just show up and you say, Hey, we're going to have a common mission. Most people are going to say why. And so here's just a few things that I would share with them is one, when you read in the scripture, it's pretty clear that you as an individual are not a perfect representation of Christ, but the closest, uh, best uh, picture we have of Christ, right? The most exact representation that we're going to find on this earth is the church, right? The body of Christ. And so we need more than just a bunch of people individually going out on their mission, coming together on Sunday and then just going back out individually on their mission. If we're going to show the best picture of Jesus that we possibly can, it, it takes the body of Christ, the different gifts, the different personalities, all coming together for a common mission. Another reason I think it's important that we have a common mission is because Jesus was very clear to his disciples. He says, by this, the world will know you're my disciples, by the love you have for one another. So when Jesus said that, he was assuming that we are actually going to be loving one another as disciples around not yet Christians, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's just this this picture again of we need to be together on mission, right? Loving one another around people who are not yet following Jesus. Mm-hmm. And so that's another reason why I think um, having a, a common proactive mission is important. Another reason I, I think it's important to to have a common mission is because um, it, it reveals unbelief that we have as disciples. It's really easy to sit, and I'm just saying this in personal experience, in a Sunday school class and say things like, oh, yeah, like I love the poor. I have a heart for the poor, right? Or it's easy mm-hmm. for someone to say, I'm not a racist, right? Like I love all people and, and whatever else. But yeah. it, it's totally different whenever you actually start calling someone in Paragold, Arkansas, uh, to invite Muslims around their dinner table yeah. right, to eat a meal. And so you start really finding out, like, what do we really believe about the gospel yeah. and, 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 and those sorts of things. So mission really kind of pulls that out and it gives you an opportunity <laughs> to speak the gospel to your own heart and the hearts of other people who you're on mission with. And then I think, honestly, like it's just practically, it's, it's smart to do that. So there's power in numbers. Mm-hmm. I mean, if, if, if you go back to the scene and I think about saving private Ryan, I love a good war movie, right? I think about whenever um, the American troops are storming the beaches of Normandy. I mean, imagine that scene for those of you who have, you know, you've read about uh, Normandy or you've seen that open scene of saving private Ryan. I mean, how foolish would it be 
for someone to say, you know what, I'm going to go into this enemy territory mm-hmm. all by myself. Like you guys go together, yeah. but I'm going to do this all alone. Right. It's just like, well, that's right. foolish. Like you're going to get mm-hmm. picked off, man. Like if you're going to live on mission, yeah. you're going to realize you have a real enemy who's coming against you. Uh, we have a, a ride an enemy. It's like a roaring lion that wants to devour you. And so the reality is mm-hmm. the more you live on mission, the more you need a band of brothers or sisters or people around you to encourage yeah. you, to lift you up, to remind you of what we are uh, about. And so I think because of these reasons, you see Jesus mm-hmm. whenever he decided to um, initiate right, his movement. His, you know, to usher his kingdom into this world, he didn't just call one disciple. He called disciples and he brought them together. He didn't just say, hey, Peter, I'll hang out with you on Monday. John, you on Tuesday said, no, we're all going to live together, right? Life on life, life in community and life on mission. So that would be the why I would give to a group of people that I'm I'm trying to lead in a common mission. Right. And that's one of the, the areas that we have to, you know, become comfortable with is the reality that we're not very good at making disciples. You know, I think like your image of the person storming the beach of Normandy, uh, you know, by themselves, you can also imagine someone who, you know, storming the beach that has never been trained, never seen it done before, uh, doesn't have the right equipment, the right tools also. Like that's usually how we send people to go and make disciples. Or maybe we give them like a, hey, here's a script, you know, read these lines, see how they respond. But that's, you know, just still not enough. And the reality is, is that a common and proactive mission within community equips us to actually have those amazing conversations or engagement with our coworker that only we have, or that family member that lives out of state, or our spouse, if that's you, if, you're, if your spouse is not a believer, or, or any of those other things. And so, it's it's not that you know reactive or or seemingly individual mission is bad, but it's actually the common proactive mission that teaches us how, and it shows us and gives us a way of welcoming in that neighbor coworker that the community doesn't know somehow into the fold of the family of God. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's it's not just a a very difficult strategy that someone came up with to make us all feel bad. Uh, common mission is is really ultimately what separates a small group from a missional community. If there if there's some sort of like difference there, it's well, a small group with a, a common mission, uh, a specific group of people that the that the community is trying to love in word and deed together and make disciples of. That's what makes us a missional community. Is that we have one of those. Um, but often we overthink it, you know, um, we get too narrow of a missional focus, like, well, we're only going to try to reach Bob, Larry, and Susan, those three people. So the 20 of us, like, that's all we can do is try to, you know, do the mission with those three people. And it it becomes too narrow because like, you know, uh, Bob, Bill, and Susan, like have a lot going on in their own lives and don't have the capacity to, you know, spend, you know. 20 hours with a community or sometimes it's way too broad, you know, like, well, I'm here in Los Angeles of 14 million people. And my mission, our common mission is to reach those 14 million people. Mm. It's so broad. You don't like know where to start. Um, There's no like, it's like, so just anybody, we just are around the town together. um, And it's hard to like actually gain traction. Um, A lot of times too, we launch into a, 
a common mission. And then it seems just too rigid and too forced. Like we've strangled people into it. We've, you know, we've stiffed armed them. We've, you know, tortured them through awkward conversations. And then uh, the plan is so, doesn't have leeway for um, random, you know, movements of the spirit in some other direction. Uh, or lastly, I think what I often see is people think that it's impossible, so they don't launch one. So uh, many communities might write something on a piece of paper and say, yeah, we have the common mission of single moms in our neighborhood, but that seems impossible. So everyone kind of knows we're not going to do that. And so those are all the obstacles. So now it's up to you, Jared, to talk us down from the cliff. Uh, <laughs> how, how have you guys helped leaders find that shared mission that's not too narrow, that's not too broad, uh, that's not rigid, too rigid, but is also like clear and tangible that fits within, uh, you know, a normal ordinary life and is walking in the spirit. How do you help people discover their common mission? Sure. Well, from personal experience, um, we've just kind of come up with a formula that works for us here, you know, in Arkansas, we're pretty simple minded, or at least I am. And so I needed a simple formula to kind of pass on to our folks. And so what we say is this, is that when it comes to trying to choose a mission, we need to mm-hmm. remember the formula that passion plus problem plus providence equals a common mission. Passion mm-hmm. plus problem plus providence equals a common mission. So just let me explain those quickly. First, under passion, when it comes time to prepping a MC leader, I think we put a lot of time into the head and the hands, right? So we get them all the information, watch all the Jeff, you know, the the videos, get all the resources on Saturate, and that's fantastic. Totally, right? Listen to podcasts, right? You should do that. I mean, it's what you're doing right now, right? And so head, hands, right? We try to give them opportunities to to learn how to lead discussions and lead mission and, and whatever else, work on that. But we we cut out the heart of the leader, right? Mm-hmm. Whenever we forget to talk about, like, what are you actually passionate about? Like, like, what does your heart break for? What do you personally want to see God do um, in you and through you in the city and through what people group or geographical location specifically, like, are you burdened for? So I think you have to start there. Um, if you try to throw your passion on somebody else or they try to take someone else's, you know, whatever uh, passion for this group or that group. And, and they just try to lead out of that. I think they're going to get burnt out or it's going to feel forced. It's going to feel rigid. It's not going to make it very far. So mm-hmm. we start with passion. I think from there, when you look at the passion, you're going to say, okay, um, does this passion help lead you to, to answering a problem or help be in a solution to a problem? And so we're looking mm-hmm. at the city and saying, okay, you know, what are you passionate about? And then the next question is, Is do you see a problem here that your passion can lead you to, to helping to bring a solution to it or bring good news of the gospel to? And mm-hmm. so, um, yeah, where's their problem? Why is that a problem? And why do you think as you lead out of your passion that your, M- your MC should go and actually do something about, um, yeah, taking the good news of the gospel uh, to that yeah. certain area and that certain need. And then the last thing that we're looking at is uh, after passion and problem is providence. And so what we're asking here is this, is, hey, can you see how God is already opening doors or placing um, in your life a person of peace or someone 
who can help uh, kind of get some traction for you in this mission to provide an opportunity mm. for you to take this passion or this idea that's mm. maybe burning inside of you and actually begin to execute this for the good of others mm. and the glory of God. So, and that's the formula: passion plus problem plus providence. Yeah, that's yeah, that's so helpful because you can immediately see how if you miss one of those you're you're kind of cutting off something that god's given you you know um i think that if if you neglect your own passion then it will feel forced right um if you neglect that you know god's calls called us to demonstrate the gospel to to show how the gospel solves problems uh then we're gonna feel like it's um honestly probably too broad or uh too you know did you know removed from real life or if we like remove you know if we miss out on god's providence we're going to miss a lot of the baby steps or or gifts that god's given us whether you know i i come across groups all the time that are like yeah we're really struggling to be on common mission you know to this neighborhood you know three miles away it's like oh tell me more about your community it's like well there's six of us we all live in the same house and you're like well (laughs) Well, God gifted you six Christians in one house. Like, why Absolutely. is it? Why isn't your street part of the mission? Yeah. You know, like, why? Why is that? Why are you going so far away? Like, like, lean into what you can. You know, clearly see God has has done and what God's already given you. So, Absolutely. I yeah, I think that's awesome. Absolutely. Um, so, how do you, have you guys actually like kind of worked this out? Like, so give us maybe like an example of of a group or, or a leader choosing a common mission using this formula. Yeah, so the the last missional community that's been multiplied out at Fellowship, uh, a guy named Darius and his wife, you want to lead it. And the way they came up with their common mission is, you know, started with passion, and their passion was Arkansas State athletes. And so the reason they were uh, passionate about uh, making disciples of the athletes at Arkansas State University is because they were both athletes at Arkansas State University. And so Darius played football there. Uh, Yuana uh, played uh, tennis there. And so that was just their passion. And so the next question was, okay, well, um, is there a certain problem that you guys feel like that, that the gospel can bring good news to bear on among athletes? Mm-hmm. And that became pretty obvious. I mean, early on, they'd say, yeah, I mean, these, a lot of the athletes, especially in the football world, which is where Darius is, um, they don't have fathers in their lives. Mm-hmm. And so what you have is these boys who now are becoming men in the most important years of their life. Um, when they really need guidance, they really need someone to help kind of, you know, see them through and point them towards life that's going to be found in Christ. Right. And, 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 you know, Christ is only going to sustain them through the rest of their years. A lot of these guys don't mm-hmm. have that. And so, um, Darius and Yuana thought, you know, like what would be awesome is if we can actually begin to build relationships with these kind of guys, bring them into our home, uh, feed mm-hmm. them, and then just actually help them to see how their story finds its place in the story of God. Yeah. And so it was like, man, that's beautiful. That's awesome. Darius and Yuana, that's great. And so the next question is, okay, can you see, Right where where God's providence is in this, to where He has orchestrated, you know, relationships or has opened doors to where this actually can go from being a dream to a reality. 
And of course, they're like, yeah, there's like, I played football at Arkansas State. When I was there, I built a great relationship with the coaches. In fact, they've told me I can come around anytime I want. They've even offered me a spot already as a chaplain on the, on the football team. And it's like, okay, like, yeah, I think like, there's an open door there. And so sure enough, um, they, you know, launched their MC and, and now they're having, you know, 10 to 12, you know, D1 college football players in their home and they're feeding them every Monday night and going through the story of God with them. So wow. that's one example, one more example I can give you is just my own personal missional community. And so um, I have just, God's given me the gift of hospitality. And so I have a, a real heart. My heart goes out to people who are not included in community. I want to see people who are not in community brought into community and mm-hmm. um, experience the love of the Father there. And so Paragold is now growing in an international population. We have several refugees and people from different um, uh, countries that are being displaced here for different reasons in our city and it's a predominantly white city so uh, you know it's like 99 percent white and so you, mm. you could imagine how if you moved here from cambodia yeah. or wherever right it's like you're going to feel a little bit out of place okay. and so we wanted to start a missional community that would would help take uh, people from going from like foreigners to friends to family and so that was like my passion, right? That's the problem that we see also in our city is this is not happening. There's no ministry uh, to these refugees, to these internationals. And so as far as God's providence and all of this, my mom um, just so happens to work at a local school that has uh, right now uh, kids from 18 different countries inside of this wow. specific school my mom works at. And so she got me in contact with uh, the ESL teacher there, um, Danielle. And, and so she's already working with these students. She's actually in the homes of these people. And so she's been able to get us connected with different internationals that our missional community can hang out with each week. So passion, problem, providence. Wow. Common mission. Yeah, that's (laughs) common mission. (laughs) (laughs) That just reminded me so much of Dwight Schrute from The Office. Uh, Uh, Bear beats Battlestar Galactica. Uh, but it's good. Oh, it's awesome, man. But this grid, I think, can really lead people into a lot of just fruitful, you know, life and, and experience. You know, I've um, just to add some more stories, because I think they just help often. And I, and I think we have time just to help leaders kind of begin to go down that road of creativity and of imagination. Because often there's a common mission in front of our faces. We just don't see it because we're in it ourselves, you know, so we can't, we can't see the mission, but, um, you know, just a a few stories from, from working with missional communities or from my own, you know, we've seen leaders who all of a sudden, uh, like spirit of God just breaks their heart for the orphans and the foster kids in our city, uh, that, you know, that happened several years ago in Portland to where this leader, who hadn't thought about it before suddenly began engaging in, Oh, how can we, what's the, what's the, the real like tangible problem that we can actually solve? We can't adopt 800 children, but how can we show the city and the world that God's, God's glory, God's goodness, his grace in in light of this crisis in Portland. And they began to, uh, with others, they began to host uh, very simple, uh, foster night outs, you know, which they have those all over the country where there's already a structure built in place where you basically give foster parents a night out and you get to hang out with the foster kids and build relationships with the foster parents because you just blessed them unbelievably by giving them a night, uh, a date night, or sometimes just a grocery night. 
Uh, and that was just to kind of also demystify it. That was like something that they did once a month as sort of this pillar of we're going to do this event that is a foster parent night out, but then see how the spirit grows that, you know? And so that ended up leading to some people in the church fostering some people building relationships uh, within that community uh, with single moms who were, whose children were in the foster care class. Uh, They began to see all of these other things kind of fall into place uh, out of God's providence as they were walking, you know, in the spirit towards that Um, Mm. other, you know, really basic examples uh, would be, we had a leader who was in an apartment complex. It was, uh, they just all of a sudden as they moved in it seemed like every person was a person of peace and so they you know every every neighbor came and talked to them everyone hung out they quickly realized though that people were living in isolation and loneliness uh, there were a bunch of like law students uh, medical students doctors just really young kind of professionals living the dream in this apartment complex and then they quickly decided, like, oh, we should build community. And so they just decided that every, uh, you know, Sunday night they would throw a barbecue, provide all the food, and uh, people in the community made cornhole uh, or beanbag toss, whatever you call it, whatever part of the country you're from, and uh, and would get together every Sunday night, people from the community, people from the apartment complex, that uh, quickly led after a summer of that into doing the story of God for uh, all fall. And uh, it led to one of them being a law student coming to faith. And and it was just really um, in the end powerful, but it was also just kind of simple as these leaders saw, like you said, they had a, that they were burdened or passionate about the people that they lived around. They saw the problem of loneliness and they realized that God had provided like a ton of connections already. So it wasn't awkward or hard or forced. And they were provided with people who wanted to join them in that mission. Um, and, it, and it really did uh, flourish and thrive. And so, and in the end, it was like every Sunday night, people kind of knew what to do. And so I, I guess that's one encouragement I want to give to people is, the beginning might feel like you're just putting something on the calendar to show up consistently to, you know, kind of like your story about Darius, like on Monday nights, we're going to make food for these folks Mm. and we're going to use the relationships that God's given us to invite them to it. You know, um, it it can be uh, as a first step that simple. One quick note, as we wrap up this episode, uh, one of the things that I kind of forgot to mention, mention, is that after you as leaders choose this mission, uh, one of the best ways to call people into it, uh, call people into this new missional community that's being formed around this mission, that one of the best ways to do it is to start living it out as leaders. Begin getting traction before you even form the community. Build relationships, see what the needs are. Even some of the stories that we shared uh, in this episode actually start with a few leaders building relationships, kind of leading the way, and then being able to call a community together and say, hey, let's commit to this as a common mission together. And then you can even authentically lead them into it. And you're not even leading them into a place that's unknown, but really you're leading them into a place and names and faces and people that you love. Uh, So that's one quick note, one quick tidbit as you begin starting a missional community. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for listening in. Hope you have a wonderful day. Let us know if you have any questions about this episode or any of the others that have come before.
Today's podcast was edited by Ben Fort, and our theme music is written and performed by the band Mopac. Saturate's hope is to see one missional community for every 1,000 people in every city as we see the glory of God fill every person, every place, and every church. We participate in this vision by curating resources, training, coaching, consulting, and many more ways. Find out more at saturatetheworld.com.